Hey folks, welcome to Biomass tonight. We've got the crazy FM DJ radio voice night, and so everybody's going to be in full character, and it's going to be a whale of a show because it's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started, jump right into our intros, and we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, whether you like it or not. In fact, to quote Clark Griswold, we're going to have more fun than you can possibly imagine. So much fun, you're going to have to have plastic surgery to remove the smiles from our faces. And by the way, I'm ranting like this because I'm desperately buying time as I'm trying to find my notebook because that actually tells me what we're going to talk about tonight. See, so, I figured you had to have notes because that just sounded scripted. No, actually, no. I, I just pulled that shit out of my ass right now. The uh, So let's go ahead and start with our Impressive. Uh, with, with our uh, our intros. We're going to go from bottom to top, and we're going to lead off with the, uh, the one and the only Soraya of the Prince Valiant Locks, Zell. Yeah, stop making fun of my hair. I don't give a crud about my hair, Soraya. Is who we, I am. We fully understand right. that you don't give a crud about your hair. That's that we have videotape proof of that. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> All right, um, I'm Soraya Zell. I'm a member of CPM One. I'm a co-host here on the show, and I do not give a crud about my hair. Awesome. Okay, and uh, we've got Pokey Draven. I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. Good deal. And we've got a special guest tonight who is a podcaster uh, from another outfit that actually helped us get started. Gil, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm, uh, I'm Gil Ramirez. I'm one of the producers over on Podside in Eve. And in Dust, I'm actually Buddy Down. You might have seen me in, out there on the range and shooting you in the face. I think I've generally seen you on the kill feed after I've smoked you, but that's no, that's absolutely really glad you're here though, man. Um, well, that's why know, I'm here. To, that's why I'm here is to have you straighten me out. What am I doing wrong? No, no. Gil is a, he's a really good dude. He, he does help uh, co-host uh, the Potside channel, which did help, um, you know, the biomass team get started shoot a year ago almost. So it's, uh, it's really, really glad you're on board. And I think we're going to talk a little bit of East stuff tonight. So it'll be good to have another voice. Uh, also, just for the record, I think pretty much everybody in here also plays uh, plays Eve on a fair amount, or at least we used some guys used to more than or others. has, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, uh, and last but not least, we've got Cross. I'm Cross two, a member of CPM one, and disturbingly jet lagged. So if I you know stare blankly and make no noise for a little bit, just kick me and I'll reboot my still, brain. Still, haven't you been back a few days by now? Yeah, yeah. You should see how much I'm sleeping, trying to catch up from that three-hour-a-night average all the time in Iceland. Yeah, in case nobody knew this, uh, Cross's day job, he was a roadie for Megadeth. And then, again, that's also pretty obvious from the video evidence. Cross is, Cross is like the—he he was like the number one party person on the CPM, uh, clearly. I thought you were just going to end it there without saying on the CPM, and I was going to have to argue because some of those people, wow. But no, on the CPM, I could probably pull that one off. Yeah, you're, okay. you're definitely right, the, the chief party person. Let's, of the let's go ahead and get let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Um, I, other than the fact that uh, I was very appreciative of Zell for putting up the uh, the video of the dust roundtable, between that and the actual uh, TV interview, which was really good, by the way, guys, um, it was. This fun little game that we all play, anybody that plays like an online game, 
seems like a member of a community. A lot of people in their own internal forms have that, you know, like, you know, so-and-so corp in real life, you know, and you have like, you know, a couple like selfie stick pictures of people that you throw in there. But it's always fun when you either go to a meet and you like an actual uh, in-person meeting somewhere uh, or you actually see somebody live like on uh, an EVE event like this and you get to try to put the personality and the voice to the face that or the, the image that you're seeing. And it's incredibly entertaining sometimes. Uh, like, I, like I did not imagine SMB as, you know, who I think lives in Florida as like this gigantic Canadian looking lumberjack guy with a, you know, with the full burly beard. And that was actually pretty entertaining. I mean, it's, it's a bit for us, it's a bit, uh, you know, out of date. Cause we, you know, we've done video on our, on our, uh, internal meetings before, um, so we we all pretty much knew what each other looked like. I don't know if Cross has ever done video uh, on on internal chats, but you know I knew what SMB and and uh, Denny looked like for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a weird effect when you've talked to someone, especially if you've known them or talked to them for a very long time, and then uh, you meet them online. I mean, or you meet them in person. I mean, I remember like way back, like you know, ten years ago, is is really strange to ever even talk to someone on the phone that you knew only over the internet, and it was always really weird even just getting someone's voice and connecting it back to who you've talked to online. Um, so yeah, yeah. So like my, <laughs> my, I think my initial assessment was SMB looks like a lumberjack. Totally didn't see that one. If you throw some leather on him, he could probably be a Sons of Anarchy sort of escapee. Uh, which is, which uh, that's pretty legit. You can, you can kind of go with that. Uh, I think that suits him some ways, honestly. <laughs> absolutely, I can totally see that. Uh, and then Cross, when I saw you, I was like, "Is that Shade?" So those of you that don't know, and, and very few people do, there's a there's a guy in our old corp. Uh, uh, his name was Shade, and he very much per- would portray himself looking like Cross does, um, and makes no bones about it. Whereas I, in my image of Cross, I had you somewhat older and somewhat more. Um, Cross actually, Cross actually looks more refined. Like, <laughs> Cross looks a ton younger than he is. I was really shocked. Yeah, I, I think that's what surprised me was was actually what I I thought you would you were going to be much more I don't know gray. <laughs> yeah, I figured for Fan Fest it was the appropriate time to break out the uh, skull beads and just do the whole nine yards thing. No, I actually, I, I, it was a good look for you though. Actually, I thought it worked very well. Uh, so I, it, it was a nice, it was a nice offset for, to the rest of the team. Worked for the ladies too. Yeah, but you also have to look at the uh, the pickings that are floating around FanFest as well. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Uh, when I saw Denny, and I've seen Denny before, like he. Like I, I was, I think maybe because I've seen him before, like my mental image of him, his personality and his voice all work very well together because as, as I jokingly refer to him, he's the, a sort of, uh, you know, an extra cast from, from somewhere. This is, I need one of those pasty British banker guys, have him show up. And that's pretty much kind of how I see, how I saw Denny. Um, let's see. Soraya, you Kind of looked like I thought, but yet again, you you really have these Prince Valiant locks. It, it was very impressive the way you were. I'm not I'm not really sure how you made all that work together, but it was really really good. Uh, I know that you probably use a pudding bowl to cut your hair, but it was fucking awesome. I haven't no, it's I just don't get haircuts very often, and and I'm well overdue for one. Um, 
No, um, Cross will testify. Cross can testify to how much I did not want to go in front of the camera and how hard I tried to avoid it. Yeah, yeah, I actually straight up commanded him to go and stand in the frame, and even then there was some argument. And it was your fault. Tell was there was. It? I yeah. don't remember whose fault it was. You suck, yeah. and I hate yeah. you. Well, you were wearing all the dust merch, and so I yeah, informed you I, I that was, you were our uh, showgirl, a, and you must be in the frame. I was a walking, talking dust commercial. I had uh, I had my dust t-shirt on and a dust jacket over that. Um, there was actually dust merchandise in the store in the the store there, and I bought all of it. <laughs> wow, I, ca- I can only imagine what uh, what what people would have called Denny then. <laughs> was it on clearance? That you got so much? No, no, no. I just uh, there wasn't that much there. There was a T-shirt. There was the jacket, which was um uh, one. It was a dust branded jacket from uh, 66 degrees north, which makes um a lot of cold weather gear for for Iceland people. Um, and uh, and uh, I someone said they had d- gloves with the dust branding, but I didn't see those. And they if they existed, they sold out before I got to them. So let me guess. I, I think I've actually seen those before. Um. If you Google them, I'm pretty sure that you'll see they're this really kind of snazzy uh, gray on the outside, and then on the palm when you turn it up, it'll say "Pay up your orum, sucker." <laughs> All right, so uh, get it, Mister T type boys. No, well, only if you can make it sound Icelandic. <laughs> so the I think the I think speaking of frame, by the way, cross. I thought the uh, it, it struck me that frame was literally the. Uh, the only thing I could think of during the dust round table was uh, it was Rat and Silent Frame, because I was I felt like I was literally watching Jay and Silent Bob talking about a video game. It was it was very humorous. Yeah, we decided that he has a twenty five percent presence upgrade because there were a lot of comments about him being intimidating and frightening and so forth. Uh, yeah, a couple he, asking if he was Ricotti's bodyguard. Yeah, because he pulls a fucking hat like an inch off his nose, man. He's just like glaring at you from the visor. <laughs> he, actually, he had comments at FanFest. It was pretty funny about that he was wearing his hat. Um, it was actually it was great. It made him easy to find. True. Okay, let's see. Um, oh wait, hey, we have a new person in channel. I just noticed that Iron Wolf. You there, yeah. Matt? Yes, I am. Hey, bro, give us an intro. I'm CPM One Ironwolf. I I'm, I'm secretary to the council, and uh, I did not go to FanFest, so you can't talk about my fashion then. Okay. Oh, I could. It, we, it, we can conjecture wildly. Can we? We do. Do we have him on camera from last year? Can we? Can we just pull that up? He he was yes, on, yes. like he was actually on stage during one of the keynotes. Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. We just need to dig that up. We can we can still make fun of him. He's he. That's what he gets for being CPM Zero. That's right. There's a lot of that out there, but that's okay. But now that that's it's actually pretty cool. Cool. I think we we flipped through, through all this, but uh, again, it's really cool that you guys got to go to FanFest. And, and uh, for everybody out there in the audience, I did I would offer this to you, even if you're not an Eve player. Um, going to a couple of these fan meets, like uh, or even like a local meetup, something like that. These can be a lot of fun, and, and you'll find uh, a lot of really interesting uh, community connections that you can make when you go to these things. I've been to a couple uh, local, like more regional Eve meetups, and they are tend tend to be just hands down a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I think it'd be kind of cool if Dust and Eve would integrate at least socially that way a little bit more. And I think what you'll find is you'll uh, you'll gain a lot of traction with Eve players if you're a Dust player. Now, it certainly helps if you can speak some Eve lingo and actually played the game before. Um, 
and, and like I said earlier, before we were coming on the show, we were kind of talking about this a little bit. A lot of the original Dust players were, in fact, pretty pretty serious Eve players, and, and quite a few of us still are. Um, and it gives us kind of a, and, and I view it as kind of a personal, not a responsibility, but one of those things I try to do is to try to continue to bridge kind of the community gap between the uh, the Eve side and the Dust side. Because I think the long-term thing is what we, you know, we're, you know I'm, we're over here poking a lot of fun over our CPM guys, but it's no different than how the uh, the CSM get, gets poked out a little bit. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think what we want to do is, I think we're looking for more of a New Eden community, not just a Dust community or a, you know, Eve community or soon to be a Valkyria community. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there as like kind of like one of my personal sort of long-term goals is, Having more of a uh, a shared universe, like like I said, a more of a new Eden outlook on the social aspects of the game or the gaming community that CCP provides us. So, all right, guys, let's move on to a couple uh, topical pieces. We do have a few CPM members here, and so like we usually do every time this week, how about a CPM update? Well, I don't know if you can maybe uh, if Cross says anything, he wants to stand on a soapbox and tell you. But I mean, not not much has happened in an official capacity since everyone's still, uh, you know, everyone's getting back from FanFest and getting back into the swing of things. Come on, man, do what he let you do you and lie to us and shit. Well, can I ask uh, you this to the CPM members, just because I'm kind of fascinated by this? Their offices are in Shanghai, but with EFest being in Iceland. Were there a lot of personnel besides Rattati at FanFest uh, Yeah, there was. Um, uh, I met from 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 Shanghai. I met uh, obviously CCP Rattati, CCP Frame, uh, CCP Wolfman, CCP Z, and was there anyone else from Shanghai that I'm forgetting? I don't think so. If, if you forget Rouge, you may skin you. Oh yeah, and CCP Rouge, of course. Well, he'll definitely stab you in the stomach and say, "Helmar sends his regards." Nah, <laughs> CCP Rouge is actually like two of you cool in the guy. room got that. Come on, I'm sorry, I did. <laughs> I'm the, probably the only one. Where is is this mic on? Hello. <laughs> yeah, we hear you. You guys are killing me. Oh my god! Wow, this you guys are about as dry as the drinks I like. I uh, see. Once again, uh, I will just that... blame the jet lag. I'm like about forty percent right now, maybe. So, out of the people that came from Shanghai they're all still in recovery mode, but also, too, they have, like, kind of an odd holiday schedule where they take time off and stuff. Are we still within that threshold no, of no, no, no. They their came holiday back. schedule? No, we're well past that. Yeah, they, they came back from that, but that's always a fun time, too, because it's their uh, legally, legally government-mandated time off, <laughs> which is always, you know, kind of funny. So it's not for a lack of work that they haven't been doing anything and that you have nothing to report. It's just that they haven't been doing anything that you can report on. Yeah. I mean, well, they're, well they're, if you've been keeping up on the forums, forums, we're going to do the Echo hotfix uh, hot follow-up for all the bugs that we introduced with Echo. Hopefully that can fix some things. And another thing that Rotati is looking into is a new matchmaking logic that would um, hopefully improve the current status quo. And he's going to Basically, he has posted on the forum saying that he's going to deploy it and see what it does and then analyze it and then figure out what to do from with there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest. A lot of the stuff that I spent a lot of my time on as far as dust-related internal things are in that, in that category of currently oubliated under the NDA because it's, this would be awesome. Let's make sure it works. 
And so the two or three things that I first said, oh, well, that we certainly did at FanFest. was like, wait, no, don't don't be that tired. Don't be that guy and get eaten by lawyers. Just leave it alone for now. So there's more going on than it may legitimately seem like past the uh, forum threads and whatnot. It's just a question of crossing all the I's and dotting the T's if we uh, do that. Well, now, with the forums that they put out, and I, I don't mean to ask you too many questions about this if I'm pushing it too far, but it seems to me that the stuff that the ideas that you guys come up with or approach the company as the CPM, what kind of ideas have you been pushing? Like, it doesn't mean that you're held to the fire saying that this is actually going to happen, but as a CPM member, are you just there as kind of like a tester or, you know, I'm trying to imagine in my mind the CSM on the Eve side, what they do and what the CPM does. And it seems to me after listening to you guys on Biomast here for, you know, since the beginning, it seems to me that it's a lot more just, hey, what's your opinion on this? More so than you guys coming up with ideas to the forefront to saying, hey, what about this crazy idea? It seems like Ritati is the one coming up with the crazy ideas and you guys are just the kind of the opinion box. Would that be a fair assessment? No, it's definitely uh, no. a bit of both. There's, there's, there's definitely stuff that's gone through to the game that was like straight up from CPM members. Um, and, you know, the way, the way we've done things, you know, changes and adjusts a bit over time. But we, we literally have had... Um, you know, periods where we were given like a, a spreadsheet to put in what we thought the numbers should be, and then you know, Ratati has his version, and then we try and figure out some sort of mid-ground, you know, thing as well. So, you know, that's something we've done before. Um, there's ideas that have come from, you know, a CPM member, and then a bunch of the CPM talk about it and kind of flesh out the proposal, and then bring it to CCP, and and uh, you know, that sort of stuff has certainly had its place as well. Stuff comes from all over. And so stuff during the CPM update, though, could you talk about any things that were brought up in the meetings as far as ideas? Whether or not uh, my, Unfortunately, or not? no. <laughs> uh, one, one of um, my major ones. we're actually doing a community back check, see if it is what, um, what is desired. But generally, you no, know, especially if the idea is um, a little bit controversial. Um, for example, if we have to nerf anything. <laughs> I, I've we been would, doing a lot um, of the Logi stuff lately. That's been my major focus is trying to get that finalized wow. and in for the next hotfix slash redeem the forum thread that I had going because there was a little bit of angst eating it up recently. So uh -oh, scared I back knew this is coming. We have we have cross so, J and Pokey in one channel. Logi's got a Logi had to come up quickly. Well, obviously it's been broken since closed beta and I have the threads to prove it. Well and it's good to hear from somebody that is pushing ideas. I mean that's that's great. Whether or not they there's any specifics that you can go over as far as what you want to do with Logi, that's understandable because a lot of CSM members use the uh, use the NDA as kind of a shield to hide the activity in which they're doing. So it's good to see that you're not using it for a lack of progress, but you're using it in the right way, saying, "Yeah, I brought up Logi." Yeah, well, and a lot of it uh, is just 
I guess, to some extent, my own mental phrasing on things, because if I'm asked, well, what are the ideas you've contributed? I sort of shrug my shoulders to a certain degree, because a lot of the work that I do is very much crowdsourced. You know, I have my experience with Logi, and I've been doing it since closed beta. But when I look at the class and say, all right, it needs a rework, it's not what do I want to do with Logis? It's put up a thread, get on Skype, get into squads, and ask everyone I could lay my hands on who actually plays support consistently, what do you think needs done with Logi? And then try to find a way to put all of that into one cohesive proposal. Very cool. You know, one of the things that struck me, uh, and Gil, with your line of questioning, kind of this brought it to my mind, is uh, it's this is actually a, a pretty key difference in how the CPM and the CSM, I think, do work. The the CSM aren't, like, it's it's pretty well known, and uh, in fact, CCP, or correction, uh, like Lilu has come out and said it a couple times, like, there's... Like if you if you intend to get elected as a CSM member based on your platform of shit you want to propose to change or like these cool game mechanics you've got in your pocket, that that really doesn't that that doesn't go go pretty well usually. Um, I would offer that the CPM has a bit more of a charter in that regard because the Dust team is so much smaller than the Eve development team that uh, and I think Rotati's actually said this on more than one occasion is. When he gets really quality feedback, um, and it's in a, in a form that he can readily digest, and all the logic, you know, kind of like you've shown your homework, sort of thing. Like, there's been a couple occasions where he's flatly said he took things directly, even from the forms and players, uh, almost as is, and then inputted those into certain hot fixes and balance changes, because the reality is he's he is very effectively using not only the CPM but the community writ large or at least you know, some members of the community as a means of almost expanding his development resources. You know, and it's, it's a pretty effective way to do it, but I think he's driven to do that uh, far more than the east side devs are. Sure, and that makes sense. And I guess that's why I wanted to make sure that people who didn't know, like I didn't know, can kind of refine uh, as to why the majority of the time if there's a CPM update. Sometimes it's vague, sometimes it's more just information that we could have read off the forums or that stuff that we already knew. So the CPM, I believe, is important to the process of fixing the game and doing the right thing, but it's done in a different way. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. that's, that's oh. cool. I'm glad that we kind of could touch on that. Well, we're a growing organization still. I mean, this is the this is the first elected council of the CPM. Um, CPM zero was on Von Tolden. Well, you guys have got to you know think of it this way too. You only live once. You don't know how long you're going to be there. So I'd be rattling cages or trying to be a pain in the ass as much as possible, but do it legally and just see how far you could push that envelope because you won't know what's the worst that could happen. You, you're not on the CPM. Is that going to stop you from playing Dust 514? No. The, the worst that can happen is that CCPUZ will release compromising photos as uh, a retaliatory volume. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, I've been on both CPM 0 and CPM 1, um, and I had to deal with C uh, two different kinds of CCP with each one of them. Ain't those the same company? The people that I have dealt with in Zero are entirely different from what we're dealing with with One. We didn't have um, CCP Vartati back then, and the environment back then was a little bit um, 
it was one of those kinds of you would have fought six people for everything about. And that's why during CPM Zero's term, we had at least a total of three, um, what I'd like to call nasty grams. We made public letters that um, demanded information from CCP and we put it in front of the public. Uh, CCP was not happy with us every time we did it, but it, that's how frustrated CPM Zero got. CPM 1 has yet to run into an issue where we felt that was anywhere close to necessary. Um, but that we do have that power. That's, I mean, that's, that's a good, uh, I think, example of how things have over time. Ah, okay, we still live? Uh, I'm having issues. I'm working on it right now. Okay, but are we still recording is the real question. Yes, yes. I've got we're, two recordings. We're always and recording. It's, I'm, it's awesome. I'm recording. Okay. All right. Well, then let's continue to drive on, and what we, what we can probably do is we'll just throw this up there as the the episode that was almost. So let's see. Let's move on. Um, any other? I, Go ahead. I mean, CPM um, CPM one still has plenty of tools in its box to dispose of if we come come across problems with CSP. Um, I mean, it, it, we're not we have not been any more defanged. Matter of fact, um. The whole incident with uh, 2014's FanFest probably gave the CPM more power than um than um, Zero realized it had. I mean, really, what it comes down to is that CPM1 hasn't had a need to wield it. Yeah, the most pushback that I've seen directly from dev side as far as ideas is basically, well, why does that make sense? And it's not a snide sort of high-handed thing. It's literally, I don't see where that fits right now explain it to me so that it actually is logically sound and frankly if you can't do that with an idea you probably shouldn't ship it to begin with so it seems like a pretty reasonable requirement to hit as far as a bar well yeah, i love the, the fact that i asked the asked the question and it really lit a fire under your guys's asses on this one great cpm update <laughs> it's better than the <laughs> last few weeks worth i mean honestly it's kind of it's it's not what you have to say, but how you have to say it. So, like, when you do the CPM update, my only suggestion would be get away with as much as possible because when people take the time to listen to Biomast, I know personally because I played Dust, if you throw somebody a, even a bone, it's something to chew on. It doesn't have to be the whole steak. You know what I mean? So it's very cool. And I know you guys um, work your ass off doing more work than the average uh player and you know it's obvious by what's been getting done in the last six months so keep up the good work but do bear in mind that you don't have to give us the whole bible just a little bit's fine well here's a um personal level update as far as my own cpm stuff i have as of yesterday decided that i'm going to get everything on my prior platform list done one way or another and if that takes a second term so be it very cool well there we go so you've heard it here folks when there's uh, a cpm2 announcement sometime in the future from somebody uh other than a cpm member uh cross the two will be running for cpm2 or CPM do, I guess, since JC's kind of French, but okay. JC I would is, a, cross is, again. JC is not kind of French. JC is very French. <laughs> so what what would you say is very French? Casteron. No, you're not. No, you you, you got to let him walk into this. The only like I was totally waiting for Pokey to go. It's a trap. But 
Zell would have walked into it had you not jumped in there, Iron Wolf, and like, oh, let me help him out with that. Like, no, no, no. Let him walk in. Just feed him into the kill zone so that we can pounce on him with that. Because he would have answered had you not jumped in. And then we yeah, would have feasted on you're, him. <laughs> you're working with the guys that don't laugh at jokes. I mean, Man, honestly. I know it. Oh, my God. It's killing me. I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in this answer from Zell, actually, since he's been to France and speaks French. It would be a, um, an educated response. He's got at, a very European haircut. At, at this at this point, I am most certainly going to pass on this question. See, I wasn't going to say anything because I wanted you to get your revenge from uh, you know last time. Well, the best part of this is you wait until next week. He's totally going to forget about it, and you can just lay the same trap. Pretty much. Okay. Goodness. There great. is no dot land for biomass. Squirrel. We do this a lot here. So anyway. Um, like m- moving on, uh, we we didn't have a whole lot of big major topics on tonight. But one of the things that we uh, that Pokey and I had been kicking around with Cross earlier uh, was actually somewhat generated by the responses from Britati, uh in one of the the forum threads uh, this week actually, and it was a little bit to do with some of the changes from the last hotfix, and and at first it started out with a direct conversation about uh, like. One one weapon in the game that was changed fairly dramatically in the and it wasn't a nerf it was like a major buff so we started talking about that but that ultimately led us into a discussion of what exactly is like the vision or like the guiding sort of like construct or design for how like the play and dust so we know we've got the four races that we deal with and. There's a lot of assumptions about like what should be the differences, which then in theory would drive uh, the differences in their weapons, their their suit optimization setups, uh, the different fits you can put out, things like that. You know, like playstyle, like in-game playstyle. Um, and and so this one discussion about basically a one single weapon really led us into this interesting discussion. And I can't remember who it was. Uh, but basically, they asked the question, well, well, what is Ritati's, or CCP rather, what is their picture? What is their concept or design that, you know, kind of is their you know, left and right limits or their constraints on, on the style that they try to propose for different weapons or for different suits or vehicles and stuff like that? What, what are those kind of guiding pieces or principles, like the vision, if you will, you know, for lack of a better term? And I thought that I thought it was a really really interesting uh, thing that we could probably talk about because a lot of the a lot of the original ideas behind Dust, which still very much echoed in today, they were somewhat drawn, or at least clearly their DNA is from Eve, uh, like in terms of the four racial archetypes and things of that nature. But my opinion is I, I think they've somehow been overcomplicated uh, and drifted in a lot of really weird directions where I'm not sure there's a really focused or uh, kind of unifying vision or, or set of rules and, or logic in terms of the styles that we're trying to put together that lead to balanced discussions and things of that nature. So I kind of wanted to put that out for the group. So what do you think, uh, what do you think the vision or at least the design construct for Dust is right now? Like what are they balancing around in terms of play styles? So as a bit of a, a context, the one weapon we were talking about was the Assault Scrambler Rifle. It had been commented on by Rattati several times that uh, it was underperforming. Now, I think it's – CPM, please help me out and stop me if I'm wrong, but it's it's pretty clear, or at least it appears clear to me that Rattati 
when he says something is underperforming, that is an oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes a synonym for it is underutilized. And he saw, started seeking uh, some community feedback on why is this thing not being used very much? Why is this weapon not being, being used? And there was a lot of good feedback given. And his solution was effectively a massive damage buff to the weapon, which kind of right now statistically makes it the primo you know, infantry weapon. Uh, and people are starting to pick up on that. What and I found it seems... Go ahead. I'm sorry, but with the scrambler rifle, I personally I have a, a strong affinity for the scrambler rifle, only because comparative to like the assault rifle, which you know I trained into because that was the news yeah, back yeah. in the day, <laughs> right? And when they came out, oh, let's see, probably about six months ago, I would say, and that maybe even further back, it was kind of neat. They came out with um, starter suits that were based off like the basic or the kind of a militia type suit. And sure. then there's a step one or two up. And in order to get myself out of being just a solo sniper all the time, I was lucky to find those. And I actually used my extra SP to get me going in that direction. Well, the Amar suit uses a scrambler rifle as part of the stock suit setup. And I love the damn thing. And I actually use utilize that now more i have less sp put into it but use it more often than the assault rifle just because of the way it's controlled the kind of feel i've heard you guys talk about the way a weapon feels or reacts to different situations and stuff and personally i i think the scrambler rifle i'm kind of surprised that they're doing anything to it yeah it might be underutilized that's only because there's like 30 other weapons to choose from and you're dealing with a smaller demographic number of people to, to ask. Yeah, no, you're, you're by the way, you're spot on with that. The, uh, you know what, just to be clear, they're talking about the assault scrambler rifle, which kind of functions a little bit more like the AAR. Now, the interesting part of the discussion is one of the, one of the things that he kicked back on was, he's like, yeah, I think the scrambler rifles OP and he hinted or at least intimated that he was probably going to nerf the actual scrambler rifle itself at some point in the future past. And, and the whole thread, and, and he was, he was, you know, Rattati as he normally does, he's engaging people in the community pretty routinely and consistently, but it's really started a lot of people thinking um, outside of the forum, like in our Skype channel. And it started me thinking about, well, what is the kind of the, what is guiding, you know, what we want the different, like weapon setups or racial pieces to, to work with. And, and that's really where a lot of the discussion came from. But by the way, your, your point is actually spot on in that there are so many weapons to pick from. What is a good ratio that tells you a weapon is, is being utilized, under, or overutilized? Like, what is, like, is there a magic percentile that you should be aiming for in terms of usage? And I, 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 just, don't, I just don't see that that's, that's going to happen, not the way the game is constructed. Does that make sense? Well, and it seems kind of like a junk statistic to utilize in the first place because if you're dealing with a casual player like me, I play maybe two, three times every other week over a two-week period. And for the longest time, even after the assault rifle was nerfed, I still used the assault rifle because that's what I had my most skill points sunk into. So if you're dealing with the mass majority of your player base now being more like me where they're casual players and they're not really hardcore day-to-day -day players, 
you're building your statistics off of something that's random and might be based off of old or aged factors that really, I mean, they don't have a place anymore because it's you're adjusting a weapon for the Fairweather Johnson shooter out there. Well, the usage performance is not the only thing he does look at, but however, he does always ask the question of why. For example, he was considering for a while to buffing the default scrambler rifle because it was the most least used weapon in the game. And we told him that no, no, no. If you do that, it's gonna... The only reason why it's not popular is because of the way it it operates. The charge shot and the semi-automatic function is not a very popular weapon in most games. And most players are not comfortable with it. And we know that from other players and ourselves using it, SCPM, know that the scramble rifle is pretty powerful in the right hands. Well, my concern that I have is that the, the meta of the game lends itself more to armor taking at the moment. And, you know, the scramble rifle has that, that plus 20 to shield, minus 20 to armor. So if you know that you're typically going to be fighting an armor tank guy, you're going to be less inclined to carry a scramble rifle around much of the time, and especially like in the, the, the auto version where it's a little bit closer range. So, I mean, the the fact that you don't have a 50-50 balance between shield and armor usage, it makes me concerned that the usage of the scrambler rifle is skewed because you, you obviously aren't going to use that if the majority of people are using armor. Well, and how do you know, though? I mean, it just seems odd to me being a casual player how people, how, well, you guys in particular, because you do play this game on more of a regular basis, to know that the overarching meta is towards armor, whereas casual player me, when I play, I don't know how their suit is fit. I know by color what kind of, if they're using a proto or a basic, you know, I can I can kind of judge. But realistically, in that game, being a first-person shooter, I'm running and gunning. And 90% of the time, now that I've gotten more used to the controls and finding weapons that uh, handle well. I don't know what kind of DPS they're putting out, but I know that I'm taking that guy down really fast. Or, if I get taken down fast, when I respawn, boom, I'm in a different suit, different weapon type. And you're not really thinking, okay, I didn't take that guy down, so he must be using some kind of armor variant prototype suit. Most people, I think, are just like, hey, this is the only one gun that I can use because I don't have 30 million skill points to divvy up to level 5 across the board like some of these guys do. I'm just going to try to take them out any way possible. So, I don't. How do you guys judge that when you say something like the the armor is the overarching structure? How do you know that? yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like I don't I personally I don't pay much attention to it. Um, it's one of the, I think I think it may have less of a difference that it you know in in the case of like drop suits, you're deal you're often dealing with a, a you know five or ten percent difference in damage. and I, I don't know if you're if you're particularly comfortable with a certain weapon at a certain range, I'm not sure if you're actually gonna gain a benefit by switching to a different weapon to, you know, uh, focus on a different armor type and the chances of you you know running into the same person right then and there as opposed to someone else who has you know a different type of thing i think it's very very hard to make choices on what you're you're using based on 
what uh, you know what suits your you're facing on the other other end of things. Well, that's so that. That's, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, there's a couple pieces to that. So, um, it, if you let, let's let's take the, let's take the kind of the, the penultimate example here, like your scrambler rifle, Gil. What what drop suit will it work best against? What is what is the thing that it will be most lethal to? Well, and that I I don't know. Like off the top okay. of my head, I wouldn't so, know. But I know it came with the Amar suit, <laughs> and no, I'm, that, I'm that's, a, a supposing that's that that weapon works well with that suit, and that kind of leads back. We'll touch on it next. But how do you know what gun goes with what suit? Because it's not clearly labeled. No, that, that's a fair point. So, um, kind of here's how this how this works. The Scrambler is effectively an Amara laser. It, it works very similar in terms of its damage profile, or at least conceptually, that the lasers do in EVE. All right. So that laser effectively does EMP damage, you know, for lack of a better term. And it, it is an anti-shield suit. So if you take the baseline damage of the weapon, uh, just for raw math's sake, let's call it, you know, it does a hundred damage, okay, on a charge shot. I don't, I don't think that's what it is, but what? Just sure. Just use that for math sake. It will do like a hundred and twenty damage to shield and eighty to armor. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So that's how they're splitting it between damage types. When he said that it works better against shields. Right. So oh, okay. Right. So, so you're actually not losing any DPS. It's just the efficiency of the weapon against armor versus shield. It's well, an efficiency thing. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, if you're if you're wearing a Kaldari suit, they do gain DPS against you. Does that make sense? Because you're hitting them at a yeah, you're hitting your armor. math again, 120 percent. Right. So one right. of the things that one of the things you'll see is um, like Kaldari suits are often brick tanked, or they'll be hybrid tanked. Uh, one, because there's not a lot of other really useful low-slot modules that uh, a Kaldari suit can use, uh, but it, it's for a, from a survivability standpoint is you're going to end up using you're some shield buffer on the left. You're going to end up using some damage mods or some sensor mods. There's things you can do in your CPU slots. And on the low slots, a lot, a lot of times, if you're really trying to seriously armor tank, a regulator is pretty handy. Or it can be. You mean shield tank? Yeah. Just on track. And, yeah, yeah, okay. no, you're right. But th it's very often you're going to see them augment their their shield buffer with some kind of plate. It, it, at least one. It's very, very common for that to happen. Uh, oh, so they could be like in EVE, they kind of go against the meta of EVE. They dual well, tank, sure. in, in other and words. That's not how they're originally designed. That's just kind of how what they're kind of forced to do because of the way that the damage profiles work. Okay, um, but like a Caldari Sentinel, like a Cal Heavy, it's got a huge, huge shield buffer, and on paper it looks like it would be really, really boss to use in a, in a lot of situations. But the reality is, it you will get absolutely shredded by you know a random suit in, with a scrambler, either an assault scrambler or a regular scrambler. So it's one of those things where a lot of guys will start to shy away from using that suit. You can pack on more buffer and more usable buffer with armor because here's the other thing. We don't have shield transporters in, in dust, so I don't have a shield repper, but Yet. I can rep armor. So oh, like and I'll, I suppose that's why your meta would more lean towards armor because far, I use Galente suits. Far. I use Galente suits in Amar um, 
Galente assault suits and Amar assault suits primarily now, and along with an assault rifle and a scrambler rifle. And if one doesn't take out the majority of the people that I'm fighting against, I switch over. So I'm, am I dealing with two different damage profiles too by switching, like you said, the scrambler rifle is more of a laser profile where that's going to be more effective against shields. Is the assault rifle more effective against armor then? No, it's it's very much like the, the hybrid blasters in EVE. It's like a 5-5, five five, like plus 5, negative 5 for shields. It's a little bit better against shield, a little bit worse against armor. Okay, but it's more in the middle. Yeah, it's literally just like a hybrid blaster in EVE. Okay, well, cool. But you do bring up a good point. None of this is documented very well for a new player. But like by any for no. example, none of the weapons tell you what class they belong to. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering is why is it that with all the hot fixes and now this latest patch that came out, I was really stoked to hear about this newest patch coming out. And the game looks beautiful. I love the new maps. It's really kind of shaking things up where you're not, you know, the... Uh, the red line, how that adjusts and change per map and different things like that, forces you to think. You just can't be uh, metaing a map anymore. You know, you, there's quite a bit of taste to the game. What I'm wondering is why didn't they kind of uh, take a step back and dummy proof it, where they kind of spell things out on the suits, on the weapons? It can't be something that. I've heard you guys talk about things that are server-side or game-side, and I'm not too clear on what the difference is between the two, but why can't they go back in one of these patches and start dummy-proofing different things to explain it to newer players? Because there are still new players coming on every day to help them out. Oh, yeah, there's, that's there's actually something that's happening right now. CCP and Rutati have been working players. on that. And... Uh, yeah, Rotati's kind of his priority is the new player experience. Um, I I've always been like the descriptions and stuff on items and and like the show info tabs is always, like has always been really weak and has always been like one of my pet peeves as well. Um, I don't know. Um, I I think in some cases localization plays an effect because you do have to um, localize anything you put on those for all the different languages the dust is offered in. Um, which I still think may be more than Eve um, in terms of the, the clients you can download. Um, but Well, that uh, must be a PlayStation thing, though. Probably. And well, the, if, you, if you wanted to check on it, I'm sure the localization would be based off of the region that the PlayStation 3 is made in, because it's kind of like DVDs. When you play a DVD from our region, you wouldn't be able to go to Europe, pop in one of our DVDs into a DVD player built and made for there because discs are regionally made so i would have to imagine that the playstation 3 is kind of built the same way no the localization we're talking about is language and user interface things that we do not translate appear in english or whatever strange uh, box box character to ps3 supports but i mean like the 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 thing in question is, is that if you change say the description text in an item then there's there's a team at ccp that then has to translate that into each of the languages and make sure that that matches you know across their whole the whole game let me ask you this then excel and iron wolf and cross you being on the cpm what do you think is more important 
getting new players and retaining new players by fixing and dummy proofing, you know, and I use that as a loose term, or balance in trying to sustain the players that you have right now. Just in your personal opinion, like let's say this was an interview for CPM2, what's more important? Oh, new player experience, no doubt. Yeah, at this point in, uh, in the game, out player when retention players quit. is really... Well, we pretty much have have the statistics on that already. And those who stick it through the first arc of the game are usually around for the long haul. As the majority of players who stop playing or hardly ever play, it's within the first you know, like week or two, and really a subset of that is even less time. There's this fairly narrow window, um, which, which is why, again, Ritati's actually been working on clearing up some of this stuff. If you check out the modules these days, they're listed in a much more direct and succinct manner than they used to be. The flavor text has been moved to a panel over, and now we have things like uh, the Aura modules listed as this module has lower skill requirements or this module has more efficiency than the base variety, things like that for modules so that you can say, all right, that's standard advanced prototype and just look at that in the market. Whereas before you had a block of flavor text, which was nice for setting, but very confusing for anyone who didn't already know New Eden. I have, this, I have this theory that this is one of the areas that you could, that RAT could really legitimately crowdsource in terms of just the, the raw gathering of the text, like you could release that to through the CPM and onto the forums with like a couple of people that are you know, pseudo gatekeeper keepers or, or editors for lack of a better term on like a, a master spreadsheet or text sheet. And, and over time you would have somebody go in and literally rewrite the, the text for every single weapon every single module, every drop suit, everything, so that it, it was more logical, made sense in terms of what you're going to see in the game. You know, uh, that is one that I honestly believe that you really could crowdsource a lot of the actual, um, like kind of the, the, to get over the inertia, like, hey, here, here's, an, here's an updated set of the text for all this stuff. Now, the Zelda's point is accurate, though, about the localization, that that, that will take time. And it's not as simple as just dropping that shit in Google Translate either. So I, I think I think there's ways that we could jumpstart it. You know, I and I think that's one of those type of things that you would probably get a lot of folks in the community, particularly particularly the you know the lore meisters and stuff floating around the community. Community, they would probably be very enthusiastic to help. Is what I would what I would say. I don't trust Gunswarm. You and okay. nobody else, but uh, okay, <laughs> I got that. <laughs> no, but you do understand the idea that if you let crowd uh, crowds um, do the translation, we're going to be vulnerable to people making really horrible things with the translation. I'm, I'm pretty confident I just said that I don't think they can do the translation. <laughs> well, and also, too, I mean, you could gate the crowdsourcing to be you know, 15 to 20 volunteers that actively play the game. I mean, that are active in the forums and stuff that, you know, you could hold accountable without them actually having to be accountable. And if anything, they could get their name out there or known. It'd be a kind of a neat thing for the CPM to do too, is to maybe put together a skeleton architecture. I mean, think say, about it. This is exactly the kind of thing that the ISD actually helps with in EVE. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, so if I steal what's capable of taking people right now, unfortunately. Uh, well, that, and, earlier. that and I'm sure the utter silence that we just had there was you guys raising your hand to volunteer and you couldn't hit your push to talk button at the same time, which I think is great. So. Oh no, I'll make no bones about that. I want no part of that shit. No, not you. I'm talking about the other CPM guys that are in the CPM above and below. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I need to, I need to volunteer for more New Eden stuff because I don't spend enough <laughs> of my personal time on it anyway. Oh, okay. I have a quick quick Twitter update. I did get a hate face tweet back from uh, Ratati as I oh, launched. So... The... <laughs> yeah, he basically said, "Of all the Star Trek heroes, dot dot dot." Hate face. <laughs> I posted on the uh, general discussion of the forums too, and I know he saw it because he's posting at different threads, but he conveniently did not respond to that one. He, he may or may not. <laughs> he, he also, from the look of this interface panel, may be lurking behind you, so you may be doomed. This is probably true. <laughs> okay, so now I guess a couple general questions, guys, just to kind of like move on to the or kind of continue the vein of discussion. Um, what, and this is really maybe more for the CPM, does Ritati actually have like a set of, I, I don't know, guiding sort of bullets in terms of Caldari uh, suits, weapons, vehicles should feel like X, Amar should feel like Y, and so forth, or, and then generally like assault, like uh, basic infantry weapons should do X, sidearms should feel like X, you know, is there any sort of, I guess, coalesced uh, vision for how all this stuff is put together because I, I think um, I, I might want to say it was Lether or Ripper said earlier that that they felt that Rattati was doing very good with individual things, but it was not, nothing felt like there was like a unifying sort of strand of like, yes, this all makes sense of why are, this is happening. Are you suggesting that Dust514 should have a coherent vision of roles and design? Yes, I am. That's that's just something I'm not sure that Dust was ever meant to have. <laughs> well, it was clearly meant to have, and it was done very poorly. Uh, and I think the resurgence, or at least the, the capacity that CCP Rattati has clearly demonstrated in terms of his ability to focus and to deliver uh, as I think reinvigorated this part of the conversation. Uh, uh, I'll just quickly summarize what he does have and what he doesn't have. What he does have is what's going to sound like a bunch of marketing bullshit, but that's what it really is, is the principle that Dust514 should be a shooter located within New Eden. And that's and the other guiding principle that we have is to make Dust514 more accessible than EVE Online. So that's the two unifiers we have, but the thing is, though, they're so abstract, they're so loose, they're so undefined that that can mean literally anything. So, and we really do not have a bullet point per bullet point as to what exactly every item in Dust514 should perform like. We don't have the... We don't have a constructive puzzle, so to say. We got puzzle pieces over the place, and we keep cutting in different sorts of shapes and sizes, and we're trying to make them fit to each other, but we don't have that exact unifying uh, vision yet. We're, but you we do. have been tr 
we've, we've been trying to push in that towards the direction. Uh, for, for example, when we did sidearms, we did sidearms all at once, and we had them more in a relation to what should all of these should be doing with each other. And that came really strong together when we uh, finally um, re refreshed them real quick. Well, well, don't you guys have... This sounds kind of ignorant, but don't you have the lore to build your structure off of as far as, like... Okay, let's put on the tinfoil hat and let the imagination roll here, but I would imagine that Amar soldiers have some kind of stunning effect towards Mimitar soldiers because they were the slaves of the Amar. Kaldari use shields much like their ships and are more grounded, whereas the Galenti use more of like maybe heat-seeking type missiles. You know, just like the different things you can just derive from the lore and let your imagination go should be your architecture for every weapon and suit, even vehicles that are in the game. You you already have the basis there. It's not like you have to reinvent the wheel. Oh, and you're right about that. We do use the lore often for cases of what should this be doing, but it's not the overall ruling thing. Um, case in point, Rattati has said it many times in the past that just because Eve's done it doesn't mean we have to do it. Right. Because, and, I mean, that's one reason why we don't got the individual damage resistances, whereas Eve Online ships do. That, like, this, here, man, this is the part where I've, I've got to... This actually is a pet peeve of mine. Um... Let us let's be very let's be realistic here. Like nobody nobody in the right mind thinks that we're going to be able to transplant you know naval combat from space in Eve into uh, into a first person shooter. I, I don't think anybody would argue that. But there's very clearly design architecture and design principles in terms of how you design a weapon or you want it to function that Eve has hammered out over the course of almost twelve years that is very well understood and has been iterated on numerous times. And it's also, that is, that is how new Eden works. So to, when I hear that it, it's troubling because it's like, there's also a thought of, yes, you don't have to do it, but you should order to pay attention to the amount of work that somebody else has put into that style of architecture in terms of game architecture. That that's the part that makes me very concerned when I hear stuff like this. Like for me personally, and, and, and I think Gil actually touched on it. I don't know what the raw numbers of light weapons are like infantry light weapons are, but there's a lot like it's gotta be, you know, geez, you know, almost 30 or more. Um, or at least it sure feels like that. And we spend this inordinate amount of time and energy working about worrying about rifle number one, rifle number three, rifle number seven, rifle number one. What I, th my honest opinion on this is that a lot of other first-person shooters in the world have got this right, and we don't. And I've, I've very grudgingly come to this. Is I think that what this is my personal opinion, and, and I've gone back and looked at some of the other. FPS is out there and kind of how they work, particularly the ones that have a lot of weapons that do tend to give you a lot of options for, for weapons and equipment. The, the variations in the performance of those weapons within a given class, like the rifle class, if you will, is not that great. It is actually pretty small, and there'll be like a few, a few variations. It's like the, the variations might be, let's say, 
plus or minus 5% on any given stat from whatever the baseline is. And then, the, and then it's more about aesthetics and sort of in-game feel and mechanics for the for like the rifles but then there will be a marked difference in how like the smgs work or something like that or, or sidearms in general um so the balance and or the the iterations are more about the classes and not the individual components within those classes because they offer so many choices within now the way we've done it is we've spent so much time on the micro like the individual rifle within the rifle class that and there's this it felt like there was this incredible desire to make them all unique special snowflakes well i got news for you you can unique something to the point where it's so niche or just not fun to play with it's not helping any of your balance you know quote unquote balance in the long run i mean i've i've literally come to the point where i actually think that the four basic racial combat rifles for infantry rifles should be very, very close in terms of performance and then their damage profiles and the aesthetics of how they operate in game should probably be a much bigger factor uh, in differentiating the weapons than like range, DPS and all this other all this other jazz because they feel so different. You feel like you're just absolutely at a massive disadvantage uh, at some point in a match with your weapon. And that's just not how these things really function well. Battlefield, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six actually was probably the best analogy that we have. Rainbow Six did this very well. Mag did this very well. Uh, Borderlands does it well. Even Destiny does this well. But yet we struggle with it just incredibly. I mean, does that, I, I mean, does that resonate at all? Well, it's like I, you're I saying that people just, you can't see the forest from the trees. If you're overthinking it, maybe they are overthinking it it's something that could be just standing there at the tip of their nose and they just can't see it because they're too busy trying to get everything so refined i i have to agree with you having a cohesive vision is definitely a valuable thing and in a lot of ways what we're dealing with here is sort of the um dust cultural equivalent of the eve legacy code there were lots of things that were already in place and kind of rolling when this team let alone the cpm1 got into position to do anything about it and it's one thing to say hey we should be doing this from the outset but it becomes a larger prospect to go back to zero as it were and fix everything from the ground up because then you inevitably have pushback from large segments of the community because instead of a player coming to the game and saying all right that's what this is you know that's what the commando role is i can choose to play it or not now you have multiple variations that are partially overlapping and bringing them all under one umbrella means that there are large segments of the current user base who are going to be kind of pushed out of what their comfort zone is or what their known use case is and that becomes a more difficult prospect to kind of hone in on a proper balance within that context but here's my point is that if you develop a plan and you go okay we're, this is like like for a rifle for example here's the base generic rifle we want and then there's going to be these variants of it and they will be you know that that variant will apply a modifier to that base rifle and you can basically uh, procedurally generate you know okay a burst rifle is going to do this a, a, a breach rifle will do this attack rifle will do this and if you you build that plan then you take it and you, you plug it in and you look at where the weapons are currently lining up 
And you can probably actually get it pretty close to where it is now. But the, the, the difference being is that you now have a, mathemat- a mathematical model you're building this whole thing off of. And, and yes, some things will change, obviously. And But my point is that if you're consistent in the design, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to make changes rather than you know designing in a vacuum like we currently are, where you're, you're tweaking this. Well, and okay, well, now that's working, but now it's too strong compared to this. And I, I feel like if you actually had an actual plan that you were basing the whole thing off of and, and you can get it close to what we currently have and then make small tweaks accordingly but i think that if you actually had a plan it's going to make those iteration passes a hell of a lot easier because things are simply mathematically lining up correctly and then you can make adjustments from there i think that we're just wasting time trying to tweak things individually when we could actually be looking at a big picture and, and making our lives easier later down the line well yeah i mean i've been asking for a cohesive vision you know, the macro level assessment of the game and what it's supposed to be doing for roles at all since closed beta. And I certainly haven't lost the desire for that, but there's a certain level of um, cleanliness or cohesion that needs to be established in the game as it is live to avoid basically dialing something back to zero and starting fresh, which will duplicate a lot of work and will aggravate a lot of people. It's kind of, you've got to get it close before you can really apply something like that, because right now so much of it is such a mess that you can't really apply a cohesive vision without having the bulk of what's there fall outside of it. Well, I, I, I think I, I might disagree with you a little bit on this. Um, I, I would say generally, but I, let's, let me, let me put it this way. This presupposes that we all agree that dust right now is probably in as good a shape as it's ever been. Uh, I, I think if there was at least that broad sort of by class, by role, sort of ma- more macro understanding of what are the differences in these things? Where where are they useful in the game and not um, in terms of like a, an overall overarching guide path that through the successive iterations of the hot fixes or the patches or whatever these things are over time, like the vision can be applied. And, and it's really more of like a guideline from going forward. Like, okay, the next time we touch X, we will make sure that we overlay these set of, uh, you know, sort of critical points or these critical factors that we've identified or these sort of guidelines. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to start from zero. Uh, I, th- I think the game is actually in a good enough place that you can start from where you're at. And then through the po- process of iteration, you can you know, sort of slowly write your ship and get yourself that way. And I would also point out that even at this FanFest um, that you guys were at, this was a, actually a fair topic of discussion from both Fozzie, Rise, and Seagull uh, on EVE in terms of how they balance EVE, particularly in the form of ships and modules. Because what they're going to, what they've very clearly indicated is they are moving away from balancing individual ships, individual modules, and looking at how do this, how does this class of ships work in relation to others? What are these modules doing with other modules with, you know, within its given class or its role or its process? And I, I just, I suspect that that would be better off from a long-term health standpoint for the game. Is if you if the sacrifice is that we homogenize the like the rifles as the easiest example, we homogenize the performance of the rifles a little bit, um, so that let's using range for example, everybody's range comes closer to a median, as opposed to having these wild outliers that we have now. 
like we homogenize a little bit of that. You lose a little bit of the uniqueness, not a lot, frankly, and certainly not a lot that you can tell, but you lose a little bit. But what you gain is the ability to really focus more on uh, the use of the basic infantry weapon versus a support by fire weapon or a specialty weapon or a sidearm or an SMG or things like that. And then eventually down the road, I think you, if you wanted to creep out more into the micro, you could, but the macro needs to be looked at. And I think if, again, it's that homogenizing of, of the stats and letting the aesthetics and the damage profile carry most of the weight in terms of differentiation, that just, that just feels like that would actually be a more, uh, I don't want to use the word elegant because uh, it's not the right context, but uh, a cleaner, a more cleaner approach to where we're at in the game. I would, I totally agree with you, Jason. I think it would be a tactical, tactical approach to doing it, so that the overarching, it all gets down to, like you were saying at the beginning, how nitty gritty, how much under the microscope do we have to do all this? Of course, the other question is, how much can we get done at a time? Well, it's really back to what what I was saying. The point is, is that where we are requires a lot more honing to be able to apply that because the line of reasoning i completely agree with that's the way that i view things naturally it's sort of my comfort zone to say start at the absolute pulled out macro and drill down from there but for example in dealing with the logi rework the macro of saying all right support class sort of put them roughly in between the assaults as the other medium frame and the light frames generally, but closer to the assaults because they are still both in the medium line. So we have an arc already established. They're, you know, support units, so they're going to be a little bit more functionally focused on things like E-War and mobility than they are things like raw buffer or damage output. So, you know, we have these premises, and then I start pushing down to the actual stat level and discover things like there isn't a bandwidth, or, well, I shouldn't use that term now that we have bandwidth in the game. There isn't enough of a margin between the E-War profile of the Assault and the E-War profile of the Light Frame to actually allow a meaningful place between them for the Logistics Frame that, that would still allow a buff of any substance. And looking at mobility, there was a similar thing where there's a little bit of slack but not enough to do a huge amount if we keep the assault as one end of the spectrum and the light frame as the other that we're trying to sort of thread the needle in between. There's not enough play there to establish the type of margin we need for any substantial shift. And that's the sort of thing that we're looking at where in many cases to hit that macro vision, even if there's one already established, it requires an alteration of a number of the fundamental elements that are present, which then can cause cascade issues with balance across the board. Now, I still think that it's a thing that we should do ultimately, and is one of my goals as far as getting the game cohesive, because I think it's vital for the NPE that we have that macro vision and something intuitive for people to look at. But it's not as simple as just saying, all right, well, we have the vision, now we can kind of just go to that unless we're really dialing a lot of these things back to zero and starting from one and building them up once again, which is kind of what I was talking about there. It's like trying to drive a card with four that's designed to have four wheels, but only with two or three at a time. I, I think I think this is a great example of we're maybe making it more complicated than it needs to be. Let me let me reference you this. All right, so the racial starter sets that that, that all players get after they roll their character, that 
has a racial starter drop suit, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's got a militia version of, excuse me, of the uh, a militia version of the racial infantry rifle, right? Yes, they all do. Okay, so what do you think the play experience of somebody using those four rifles is as a new character? Um, on my on my zero SP alt, they're all roughly analogous. So you're telling me that the 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 experience of the guy using the militia rail rifle and the guy using the militia AR is roughly analogous. Well, it depends on how rough you want to talk about rough being, but in a very low SP environment with our current inadequate matchmaking. Yeah, the experience of using most of the basic rifles is basically going to be the same thing. You shoot at something, it doesn't die. Something else kills you without you realizing it's there. It turns on and kills you. Right, but I'm also getting at the point of um, then you get into the look at the range differences in those two weapons, and then you look at the other mechanics that are associated with them. And I, I and I attribute it to the desire. I think the well-meaning desire to make them so different and so unique from each other that we've somewhat lost the script. And I know if I was a brand new player, like, and I knew very little about dust and I used a rail, right? Like the militia rail rifle that comes with the, the militia suit. Um, I pull the trigger and then half a second later, the bullet comes out. I would be like, fuck this, you know, or you don't understand why in your Galente suit, like you're clearly shooting at the guy. You've got red pips on him. And you're getting maybe shield flashes, but he is absolutely slaying you because he's just outside your range fan and you're well within his. Like, th there is nowhere to account for that anywhere in the NPE. And the gaps in some of these things, like, and, and again, we pick on the rifles a lot because they're, I think, the, the, the most pervasive example of it. That, that's the kind of thing that I think Call of Duty, Battlefield, you pick your other FPS that they tend to do very well is that the differences in the rifles and the weapons aren't that great. There's some, and a lot of the, and a lot of the real differences is player skill. So what we've effectively done is allowed certain parts of the game to override some player skill issues there. Um, and not only that, but I think it, it has a, a greater, my subjectively, I think it has a greater impact on newer players because the differences aren't spelled out very well and the advantage or the pros and cons of each weapon and the situations aren't spelled out very well. And the reality is, and let's be real about it, like the maps and the play does not often lend itself to even, to even usage across uh, all these different types of weapons and, and equipment that we have. It really doesn't. I mean, that's why some things are heavily utilized and some things aren't. Yeah, maps definitely have a major impact, and there's a distinct lack of information being put in front of players when they enter the game as far as what, you know, what's the profile of a weapon? Is a weapon damage profile even a thing that someone three months into the game has heard of, much less knows I, what it is, etc.? And I can attest to, to that, but also even things as simple as I've heard, heard you guys talk about range of weapons to me on a two-dimensional tv when i'm playing dust i don't know what 50 meters looks like in a game you know what i mean it's like in real life i could tell you how far away 300 meters 250 200 you know and breaking it down in real life yeah i could tell you but in game there's no um there's nothing obvious that stands out to say this is that far away 
to to help you out and this weapon shoots at this distance its optimum range is from here to here that is, that is definitely a good a good point I, I i distinctly remember rare occasions where i've been like wait a minute he killed someone effectively with an assault rifle at that range i didn't realize it like it doesn't feel like it's supposed to work well at that range but well, and something as simple as a sniper rifle if i'm perched and i'm doing overwatch for the group that i'm playing with and i'm trying to shoot somebody and if i don't hit them now granted i have a year and a half of using the controller to snipe and i have level five across the board skills so there's no sway if i don't hit somebody i'm just going to assume that it's not the game mechanic it's the fact that they're too far away so i have to try to find another perch that's closer and then with the adjustments that they do, unless you're up on your game well, your and reading the... the forums and stuff, though, if you're up on your game and you're reading the forums, you would know that the sniper sniper rifle's range was reduced or this, that, and the other thing, too. So it's there are so many varying degrees that play against the new player, especially in the last year. That That's why, again, dumbing it down or making it simple keeping it simple just seems like it would be the next logical step now there is a there is just you know there is a range differentiator you can tell in game whether you're within range or not to hit someone is if you point the the reticle directly at a target um it will turn red if you're in range to shoot them but stay blue if if it's outside of the range to hit them right but that also means that you can actually just remember I can actually turn somebody's reticle red, or I can turn my reticle red on my SMG on somebody that's almost like well, like at 50 meters away from me. But you're going to do like 2% damage. Right, but I mean, we're, I'm talking about the sniper rifle where that's not no, the case. No, I know. But yeah, yeah I'm just, I just wanted to clarify that. Just only, I, I didn't want people to think that, hey, if your reticle's I, red, that means you can kill them, you know. I would rather no, have a No, I didn't know anything about the bar. reticle. <laughs> Near the, I'd rather have a small bar, circular bar, but near the reticle. That when the more close, the more effective your weapon is in that range, the more full it gets. And if you're like um, aiming for the head, and it goes over 100, percent then it'll like be flashing or something. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, like the 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 actual. We talk a lot about about UI changes, but I would tell you the U, the number one UI you need to worry about in a first person shooter is the in match HUD, if you will. And ours, uh, frankly, probably could use like a bit of a refresh. And there's a lot of things that probably could be optimized based on how we what we know about the game uh, now. I th- but I think the reality is it's that might be a little, you know, that's definitely um, you know full blown like point release type material to to engage on just based on the changes you need to make. But I, I just I, and and I'm certainly not fencing with you guys on this. And Cross, I see your points. I legitimately do. I think I think my my piece is uh, it really comes down to we have overcomplicated the game because of a lack of vision and the desire to start at the smallest granular level, uh, coupled with this very well-meaning desire. Very, excuse me, very well-meaning desire to have a lot of unique things in the game, uh, which maybe that is what led them down to granular levels of detail and intricate mechanics on different things and stat changes but the reality is i think that actually is hurting the game quite a bit we don't have to make wholesale changes but if at least uh 
certain principles or, or kind of that vision was laid out, it could be applied over time. I, I would offer that the Reykjavik team has actually, that's actually what they've been doing in EVE for the last year. Like that thought process, they laid out a very clear vision of here's how we want certain things to work. These are the type of changes that we want to make to bring certain things more in line. That, like here's a good example. So a lot of the recent ship changes or, or balance changes in Eve over the last uh, yeah almost a year not not quite a year they would articulate why certain ships were getting certain buff changes or bonus changes rather based on the manufacturer. So they they let all the players know is like hey look we will try to follow kind of the you know sort of the manufacturer themes even within the racial themes. So Calakiota ships get will tend to get certain types of bonuses and certain types of advantages versus like an Ishikone ship or something of that nature. And that's even within the, the Kaldari racial line. Uh, but it lets you know like automatically, hey, Roden ships tend to do this. So therefore, like an Inyo will, you know, probably end up performing like this or have these type of bonuses. And it's no different than kind of how us, we intrinsically understand that a, that a scrambler rifle does 20-20 damage, like 20 plus 20 negative, and it's effectively an EM weapon, and it's deadly to shields. That is a dictum or a, a guideline that is laid out for scrambler-type weapons. So that's kind of what I'm looking for is what is our guiding set of, of rules? You know, what are the, I don't know what the, the rubric, if you will, for how we, how we do things in dust. I don't think we have one. I think there's a lot of urban legend of what it is. Uh, and I agree that it's a huge, well, not huge, but it's it's a project to put one of these things together, or at least the, the list of what these, this might be. But I don't think we need to, like, truly well, start from zero to, to make it happen either. Well, I will say that I'm not against the whole, you know, trying to unify the idea of uh, doing things. It's just that overall, this is if we do manage to convince Rotati to pursue this, it's gonna it's gonna take multiple years to to fully realize, in terms of um just trying to get get it to get it to that point, where it actually feel like it's actually doing the right thing, because like like um so uh, like I was mentioned earlier, Dust has gone through a bunch of iterations from an original vision that was mostly based on oh it's cool let's do this <laughs> sort of thing, and we. Well, and we all know how that went out. Well, and when you say it's going to take years or time, I think there's something that, that's underpinning with that statement. Dust has always been that game that's been in the minds of players that you know know the backstory of it. It's on, quote-unquote, borrowed time. You have nothing but time. And if this game is just, you know, to be sustainable, you should use that time that you do have to try to make it, you know, as best you can. You don't have anything else going on, in other words. It's not like you have a whole list of things that should take more priority. It's the, over, it's the overarching thing of everything in this game. I would say it's um, secondary to performance and basic mechanics, but yeah, in general having an actual vision of the content in game and trying to bring things in line so that they make sense. It's a key component of the NPE, which is currently lacking in my opinion. Just if someone could sit down, read even say a little lore blurb about the four races and have that 
convey some sort of a meaningful element of information about how the game would be played, that would vastly improve the uptake for anyone who's trying to get their bearings and have an idea of what's going on. Whereas currently we have so much information for anyone who's coming new into the game, just it's almost overloading the amount of raw data, but useful things like how do I use the squad order system or hey, is there one? That stuff is much harder to get at, you know, weapon profiles, as we've mentioned before, a combination of like uh, tanking doctrines and does that have some sort of meaning within game? Should it, etc. There's a lot of stuff that veterans have encountered, but it's harder for anyone new to the game unless you have someone walk you through it to really have a grasp of what that means or why it's relevant or is it broken right now or not, etc. Well, all the things I wish we could do if we had another toddy. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that's frustrating to me is because a lot of the, the flexibility and the ability to change and adapt the the game ultimately in EVE comes from, you know, the resources that they can pull from and the quality of people that they pull it from in terms of the devs. Whereas in Dust, you have like a quality in individual that is driving the train and you've got very little, I think, working around him as far as we can tell. And that's that's just unfortunate, I think. Well, and I think sometimes the hubris of this is he's not working alone. The thing of it is that he does have the CPM. He does have people who actually, you know, like Cross said, are taking a lot of their personal time, energy, and thought putting it into this. It is really cool that he caught the net early on comparative to the devs in eve where they kind of looked at what they had and pushed it away pushed it away and didn't utilize it for the longest time it is really neat that you guys who do represent the dust players do have that kind of rapport or access with Rutati that you can bounce ideas off of him and you can talk to him like a normal human being and he can in turn do the same so Let's not sh- sell the CPM short. They they do have their part. I just wish, you know, when you ask for a CPM update, they would just, you know, go nuts and just lose their shit and start telling you everything. That'd be awesome. That would make for a great first hour of the show. And then the last hour of the show could just be damage control. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really want us to get in trouble. I don't want to get you in trouble. I, I just really want to... Yeah, okay, yeah, you got me. Yeah, I want to get you in trouble, but not in the way you're thinking. I just, I think there's just so much that you guys know that by not asking, you know, by staying in your own little cubicle with the same group of guys and asking, you know, kind of publicly, well, what do you kind of think about that? I don't know. I just, I just wish you could do it more on the podcast also and not just with your small... Uh, aquarium-sized group of friends that are in your happen to be in your corp or around you. I, I could start pimping my forum threads more often. Uh, I mean, part of it is that I guess maybe I have the presumption that because I use in-game comms and Skype and the forums consistently, that anyone who's interested in what I'm doing has already heard about it, and I'd be being repetitious because. For example, the support stuff with Logi, we're at 83, 84 pages deep in that thread now. 
Yeah, that's been going on for months. I have a commando thread, which is kind of where I'm drawing some of my um, reluctance to just go full bore on the macro. Because right now, the role of the commando versus the role of the assault is up in the air and overlapping. And just in that thread itself, I was like, all right, guys, I don't play commando heavily, but this needs looked at. I know enough to know that. So community, tell me where you see the role. And I watched several pages of well-reasoned and very intense, mutually exclusive postulation and disagreement. And it came down to there are several factions within commandos for different reasons, partially racial lines due to the weapons that they have an affinity for. And they're just not on the same page, likely won't be on the same page. And there's almost no way to say one is more valid than the other, aside from a pure declaration that this is going to be the way and the rest of you guys are just SOL. And I've encountered that in a number of the balanced discussions when it comes to roles and suits, where everyone brings to the table their own current method of play. And that's a very good form of input, you know, get a lot of angles from people. But if you're talking about changing the bedrock of, of the way that that thing works, then it becomes very difficult because you're almost always going to leave someone out in the cold due to the lack of focus that was present in the initial vision of the game. And ultimately, that may be somewhat unavoidable, but it's harder to make that a, um, a top-down shift where it's just when, when we don't have the mechanics to back it up yet where something's not sure. It's like the skill rework for Logis right now. I've been holding off on giving a strong recommend to CCP on that, despite all of the, you know, pages and pages of feedback I have have on it, simply because I'm not certain what the technical aspects are as far as what can be supported, what can be done, how does that affect performance, etc. And those are things that are holding things back. Like, can we get a shield transporter into game? What would that look like? Is that still a thing the community supports in the iteration that the tech allows? And then that speaks to the skills, which speak to some of the suit balance, et cetera. And there's kind of a cascade effect that has to be looked at. Now, you know, you're hitting a lot of a lot of solid points there, Cross. Um, one of the things that it just struck me, by the way, that uh, sort of, I think, reinforced both of our points from earlier part of the conversation was your comments about uh, what you saw with the commandos. Uh, in terms of the different factions or the varying uh, well thought out and, and somewhat realistic opinions of what they could or should be or what they should do. That's really, that's one of the meat and potatoes parts. That's a great example of why I think you, we do need some sort of like vision per class. For example, if somebody would just come out and say, like that's somebody probably being retired, would say, my vision for their commandos is that they are X. Please discuss how, how do we get get the current suits to that level? What 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 would we need to do to get them to this type of function? And that could be simply uh, simply either the kind of what we had talked about is the uh, either an AV sort of centric suit or a suppressive fire sort of like a, a support a support class suit, but more more in the terms of offensive support. Um, like if he just said that, like it's it's either A or B. And then there's 20 pages of feedback that ultimately came down to that the CPM could help him cull through. This is okay. Well, if you've picked a, the community is offering this is what they think are some of the, the your best options to do so. That that's really where I'm coming from on this. Is I think there are things that could be achieved in game using that style of engagement 
centered around sort of, you know, vision is, is the right word. It feels a little strong or a little hokey sometimes, but that's ultimately the right word. Um, does that, does that kind of make sense? What I'm, what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, actually that, that aspect I think is spot on and kind of goes back to the thing that I asked for to no avail over and over again in closed beta. And, um, makes me think that, that perhaps the scope or pacing that, that I was taking away from what you were saying was in error, because if it's a matter of this is where we want to get, as opposed to this is what we're going to do, if, if um, that nuance is clear, that's really, um, let's see, I'm battling on now. Basically, if it's this is the shape of things that we're moving towards, let's put that into the feedback loop and start progressing towards that. I think that that's vital. And I think the dust would be a better game if we had begun there. And the sooner we can get something like that going, the better, because as much as I'm loath to tell parts of the community that they're basically out in the cold, when it comes down to it, having a clear utility and vision for every given role, for example, is something that is ultimately needed. And since we've existed without it for so long, there's not going to be a way to pull every current use case under one umbrella. And that's unfortunate. And, you know, it, it's going to frustrate some people. And there's really not much that can be done to get around that, as as I've discovered for myself, spending literally months in the forums and online with people trying to find a way to unify some of these things with the commandos, for example, and just realizing that at some level, there isn't a way to make it work all of the ways that people are currently using it. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're, you're, you're well, you're well on it there. And like I said, I, I think if you take that sort of vision, there's a lot of very basic questions or statements we could ask about a lot of things. The ubiquitous rifle to me, like it's sort of the fundamental question. How do you frame the problem? How, how do you make these four racial base rifles functional for general purpose infantry use within the game that we currently have, the current maps we have, etc. Like that, those are the that to me are the type of questions that I would really love Ratati and the CCP to ask the community is figure out the question you want to ask about these things, pose the question, and then let the feedback occur, you know, organically, and then you guys help him filter out. Okay, so this is the question you ask. Here is where the logic strain is, or here is where the, you know, sort of the natural progression of, of the discussion goes. So um, on that note, guys, we've been at it for quite a while, and I, what I would like to do is kind of knock out some shout-outs real quick uh, so that we can get it. We've got a couple members that have to, uh, to get heading out for some uh, real-life stuff. So I'm going to start at the bottom of the list, and we're going to work stop our way Stop doing that. Just, just stop it. Stop it. You're starting at the top. Okay. So he's going to start putting ah, Sarayag in to avoid it. We I, are, I, I seriously, I will. We are going to we are going to stop whatever Zell just told me to stop. So we're not going to do shout-outs. I see another hour of show in our future. <laughs> cross, cross, what's your shout-out? Start, start up the shout-outs. Right. Uh, my shout-outs will be to the lovely folks of Iceland for being so hospitable and not destroying me when I somehow thought it was a good idea to drink so heavily on the pub crawl. And also to Zarya, who recently educated me in my deficiencies regarding internet sarcasm and my ability to perceive it. Um, thank you for not mocking me too heavily. I probably deserved it. <laughs> because of how literally you took instructions on how, what to do in Iceland or what? 
It, it's a whole conversation. Don't worry about it. She understands, and that's what's important. Zell, so just worry about your haircut. All right, Gil? <laughs> um, you know, the only shout-out I can think of is to you guys for the work that you do here on Biomass. Um, I've been listening to you guys since day one, and I've been playing Dust since beta. I wish I would have had you guys both at the same time, because it would have helped helped keep me ahead of the bell curve. Just keep up the good work and the CPM that you guys, I know that you guys have been doing, continue to do it. And hopefully the people that want to get on to the uh, number two coming up, you know, within the next year or whatever, you know, just keep doing what you've been doing. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this game too. They, they seem to be on the right track slowly but surely. It's kind of the little engine that could. So that's my shout out. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. Iron Wolf. I'd like to give a shout out to the Eve Art Department for um, this wonderful book I'm looking through. It's full of all sorts of um, neat pictures. You um, hey, should probably pick up a copy. Give him, give him the title of the book. Title of the book. It's, it's called Yard of Eve, and you can get it from the Eve online store. Uh, it shipped to me at 70 bucks. Okay, so it's The Art of Eve. You can go on to the Eve store. You can just Google it up. You can find it. I think you also get it on Amazon, maybe a little cheaper, just throwing it out there. Uh, but it is really a really, really awesome book in terms of the art and some of the different work that goes into uh, sort of the visual, you know, building of the Eve universe and the New Eden universe. Jadig Manaheim's actually uh, pitched out quite a few of the uh, tweets of different things from that book. It is just amazing. And you would actually be surprised at how much dust dust in there, too, by the way. Um, okay, that's a good one. Good shout-out on that one, Iron Wolf. Uh, Pokey? Uh, shout-out to Cross for joining us again. It was good to have your insight. And uh, shout-out to Gil for showing up. Uh, it's good to have you on the show, and we appreciate you guys over at uh, Podside. Also, a uh, shout-out to CCP Crusher for all the work you do for the game. I, I think it's great, and you should continue. I'm sorry. The, the, the delay this, was painful. This is, this is how jet lagged I am. Despite you guys having talked about this like 48 hours ago, I'm only now, just now, getting what you meant. Oh God! I, I'm, I, I was literally, I was literally choking on my drink when you said that. Okay, uh, now let's go to our last shout out, Osirizel. Um, I I am gonna give my shout out to um. I've got to give my shout out to the Podside folks since um, uh, Gil is here, and uh, you know pod, pod, the Podside folks have uh, let us abuse their their uh, channels and, and streaming services for uh, quite a while, and and we very much appreciate it. I love you guys, honestly. I I do. I love you guys' show. <laughs> I just happened on in here too. I mean, this was not planned in one way, shape, leave. or form. Yeah, exactly, and. Honestly, it it sounds hokey to say, but it was an honor to be on your guys' show. Literally, I enjoy talking to you every. I enjoy listening to you guys while I work and stuff. I just so. I just remember like um it was it was one time I had decided to drop into Podside, and uh, Pukin was Pukin wasn't wasn't there, and and you were running the show, and I'm like that is an amazingly calming voice. <laughs> <laughs> you you just you have a wonderfully calming podcast voice. It's fantastic. Well, thank you, thank you. 
All right, guys. Um, let's see for shout-outs tonight. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout-out to, uh, let's see. Hmm. I'm going to pick somebody at random here. Hold on. As Jake okay, insults the go. Bears Carnival Games at his home. <laughs> you laugh. Uh, okay, so I'm going to pick out a couple shout-outs. So shout-out to Dustmerk, a.k.a. at Luther Mandrix. Uh, shout-out to Kyle Yanowski at Keep It Like It Was, one of my Eve bros. Um, let's see. Shout out to Sugar Kyle, CSM member. I, oh, I and, can tell you're reading your Twitter. I am exactly. I'm reading my Twitter <laughs> right now. There, he's he's listed off some of my favorite people, and I follow Jason on Twitter. So I gotta tell you, some of the best things in life. I've just found Twitter last month. Some of the funniest fucking people you will ever meet in this game. Don't even do funny shit in game. But you get them on Twitter, it's like getting people to a bar. It's I, hilarious. I, I personally, I personally hate Twitter because I'm I'm wordy and I can't do 140 characters and and say what I want to say. But I mean, Twitter does have an incredible capacity to solicit incredibly incredi- incredibly condensed wit. Let me tell you what: if they have a 141 character Twitter, I'd be fucking OP. All right. We're going to call this uh, this show t- to a close. I think we're landing the plane. We're trying to dock the ship right now. Uh, and even though that we started out strong with our smooth FM guy voice uh, on on our big Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show, nobody else was, uh, was man enough to jump in and play with me. That's fine. So next time we're going to have to probably do something more creative. I- I've already tried to, tried to go down the road of our favorite w- WWE superstar night. Nobody else is going down on that one. Um, we may have to go with all movie lines are the only response responses that are uh, uh, legal during the show. So you can ask a question in any way you want, but their response must be in a movie line from a movie we can at least identify. That's another way to keep this interesting and entertaining. As always, uh, we appreciate the folks that listen to us and the folks that give us feedback. Even when the feedback is good, or the feedback is bad. Any feedback is good. I'm a huge fan when you tell me how much you did Soraya sucks and you hate him. Uh, that makes me feel good inside, and it's one of those little ways I sort of judge my life when I get those kind of notes. So, I, I but in all seriousness, I do appreciate the uh, the help that we get from a lot of people outside in the in the dust community and the Eve community, by the way, that keeps us uh, you know keeps us kind of interested in, in moving on. And I think, and we got to talk about this. Uh, Zell and Pokey tomorrow or something, but we're getting right close to, if not right on, our literally our one-year anniversary, and so we may have to do like a little something special in one of our upcoming shows for that. Uh, and I was very, I'm very surprised that we have a dust pod, dust-centric slash Eve podcast that's going a year after what was announced at FanFest last year. So, if there's a shout out, I'm gonna go a shout out to Hilmar, believe it or not, because he probably had the power of the executioner's axe and was tempted more than once to just quote-unquote, cut his losses, if you will, and make dust go away. Uh, but he didn't. So for that, I give you a shout-out, and I appreciate the fact that we have a little bit of life breathed in, into the game, a lot of uncertainty. We don't really know how much breath's left in the lungs, but we do have a little bit of life left. So with that, guys, good night and good luck. Wait, 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 wait. You do you did this wrong. How did people get a hold of you? I hate this. At the end of the podcast, you guys always forget this. How do we get a hold of you? So you can get us on www.biomass.net. That's our uh, homepage for the uh, 
for the show itself, we have all our episodes up there. You can also stream, get our stream from there. Uh, we have been toying around with blogging on there, uh, which would be a good way to do it. Uh, you can get Pokey. Uh, his contact information is Pokey Draven. You can hit him always up in game, but that's where you can hit him at biomass.net. I am at Jason Larison in Twitter. Uh, that is spelled J-A-Y-S-Y-N, Larison, only because I forgot to put the E in it. So it's Jason Larison at Twitter. Uh, and you can also find me on Gmail at the same. And you can find me in the east side at Jason Larison and the uh, dust side at Jason Larison. And you can find Zell at www.badfuckinghairday.com. I'm going to have to register that now. You gotta, if, if that's available, I may buy that. We'll see. Episode I, title is all I'm saying. Oh, that's legit. Okay, so that, I appreciate I appreciate the uh, realness back in on that one, on Gil. I've seen you do that several times, by the way, on on Podside. So, so well played. I do that part. to everybody. No, and it's you guys. It's high drag random over at high drag. When we went down to Milwaukee, I throttled them on that. I'm like, you got to get your information out there. It's just like cross. With all the community work that you've been doing, you didn't tell me where your blog is or your where Cross we can just, read about the stuff you're doing. Cross lives in the uh, the dust feedback forums. Is is really like you just go to the feedback forums and find threads that say they were started by Cross too, and that's that's really that's really. I don't think he has anything else outside of that. He just runs threads really, really he's very, well. He's very Mike Azariah, like, other than the fact that he doesn't fuck people's podcasts up just by showing up to them. <laughs> okay, all right. So the plane's landed. We're fucking taxiing in into the you know the damn terminal right now. So, again, without saying goodnight and good luck, because I blatantly stole that from a, an old news anchor that most of you probably weren't alive when that guy was alive. No, so, but he was a class act. Thank you very much. Thank you. Props to Cross for even remembering who that was. So, guys, we will see you in game.